0: You have found the dumb Christian. I am your host, Jonathan, and today we are picking up our story with Joseph after that little side story about Judah, and we find him back on his journey to Egypt, and he goes from bad to pretty dang good to really bad too amazing like does that mean anything to you you ever go through life and think oh life's going pretty good uh we should expect something bad to happen right around the corner this is the journey that joseph is going through the bible's about to get very real we might get a little bit colorful so buckle up and welcome to dumb christian <laughs> Okay, Joseph is 17 when he is sold into slavery by his brothers, into the Ishmaelites. Remember the descendants of Ishmael. They take him to Egypt and he is, you know, he, he has to walk the whole way chained up to a donkey or a camel or whatever. And he goes from this position of love and favor in his family to slavery like not just i need to make some money because that was the pretty typical mode that people would sell themselves into a type of slavery to pay off debts this was I- i'm not ever getting back home uh i would never know that life again That he's taken down to egypt put up on the you know the kiosk display put on one of those spinning little Kindle, kindle a spindle things to show off and he's you know, posing and all these different things as the people watch him like a spectacle and bid on him. And he's purchased by one of Pharaoh's, uh, soldier of, uh, what is he? He's an uh, official, a official of the guard is I think his title. So he's like in charge of the palace guards. Let's, let's go with that. His name is Potiphar and he buys Joseph and Joseph was 17. I don't know how long he was on this journey to Egypt. I'm sure it was pretty straightforward. I don't know how many detours they made. But let's let's assume he's still 17, maybe 18. And he's sold to Potiphar. And Potiphar is pretty high up in Pharaoh's ranks. He, he's an important person in the palace, in charge of security, right? And he has this slave who very quickly seems to be very different from any other slave potiphar makes note of this and is able to recognize joseph works hard he cares about what he's doing he is an honorable person and potiphar is actually like benefiting from the way joseph is managing the jobs that potiphar gives him and and potiphar starting to like recognize oh joseph is the reason my household is running so smoothly and all my business affairs are so successful. It's because I got this really hard working slave. And he gets to the point where Potiphar puts Joseph in charge of like his whole house. All his bills, all his doctor's appointments, Uh, you know, getting coffee in the morning, everything. Joseph is in charge. Even Joseph is delegating to the other slaves. Hey, you guys go do this for Potiphar. We need to get this done today and fill in the blank. And, 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 and that was... On Joseph. Well, it doesn't take too long before Potiphar's wife thinks that Joseph is uh, is a pretty good looking pool boy, and she wants to have sex with Joseph, and she constantly is trying to like drop him hints, you know, like. Oh, I accidentally dropped my pencil. Will you get it for me, Joseph? You know, like just putting herself in, in situations to get Joseph's attention uh, a little bit more than maybe is appropriate. Definitely more than is appropriate <laughs> as a married woman. Um, and, and she gets to the point where she just flat out asks Joseph, hey, let's go have sex you know let's go to the um the pool shed or or let's go into the janitor's closet right come on no one's around no one will know no one's watching and joseph repeatedly time and time again says no there's this interesting trend on like social media right now that i've seen um when people are like Someone's like, hey, do you want to go get a drink? And it's like, sorry, I'm married. And they're like, no, you shouldn't apologize. You should be proud that you're married and say, no, I'm married. And so here we see Joseph not just saying like, oh, no, we shouldn't. It You know, what if we get in trouble? What if we get caught? I don't want to offend somebody. He says, no, we're not going to do this because it doesn't honor God. It actually is dishonorable to the divine creator and the designer of sex, right? What he intended sex to be for. Beyond that, your husband trusts me. How could I do that as as a way to dishonor him? Like how does that fit? Of course we can't have sex. And he doesn't play games. He doesn't be like, "Oh man, I wish it was I wish we could. I wonder if there's a way we could skirt around it." He says, "No, this is not okay. We're not doing this." And this happens frequently over the next several years. It gets to the point where one day everyone is out of the house. Everyone has errands to run, business meetings, appointments to attend to. And it is just Joseph and Potiphar's wife. She says, look, we finally have the house to ourselves. Now there is absolutely no way we can get in trouble or caught. Just come on, let's do this. And she grabs, he's wearing like some sort of, I don't know, a a scarf or something. Oh, an ascot. Let's do that. He's wearing an ascot. You know, it's his like signature fashion piece, like Freddy from Scooby-Doo. And she's like, come on, come on, it's okay. And she grabs the ascot to like draw him in for a, a little smoochy smooch. And he's like, woman, no, and throws his hands up. And he's like, we're not doing this. How many times do I have to tell you? But she had grabbed the ascot. Joseph's signature fashion piece and he flees the house because he says I can't even like be here right now. You obviously don't get the hint. <laughs> no, <laughs> which I think is a little bit more than a hint, right? Like no, we're not doing this. You what, what 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 about no, don't you understand? And she has his ascot as he flees and runs out of the house and she looks at the ascot and thinks and looks at the ascot and thinks I've got an idea. She screams bloody murder. And some of the security guards who are nearby hear the scream come rushing in. And she says, oh, woe is me. This Hebrew tried to rape me. And she's like, it's overly dramatic, right? Uh, A little extra. And, And her husband comes home, Potiphar and he says what's going on what happened and she says that hebrew slave you bought you brought him into our house and he just wants to laugh at me he tried to have his way with me i'm trying to think of like a really good example of overly act overacting y- you know what i'm talking about though that that person who's really trying to nail it and bring it home but is just so far over the top and what's like what just wrecks me here is She is deliberately trying to get Joseph to betray her husband. She's trying to betray her husband. She's trying to have an affair. And there's all these layers of things that are her fault. And then she blames her husband. It's that Hebrew you brought into the house. It's your fault. He tried to have his way with me. And and there's these like layers upon layers of, oh, man and yet like isn't that how it typically works when we we try to like create a narrative a story around what we want people to see about ourselves social media pictures posts sorry n- not getting into a sermon never mind moving on potiphar gets furious i don't know that he actually believes his wife she surely he has got to know that she is acting she's a bad terrible actress but they're married he's got to defend his wife's honor that's the perspective I take maybe he genuinely believed her I don't know but he he regardless he takes Joseph and he says sorry bud you're going to jail so he puts Joseph in Egyptian jail dungeons like underground you know feeding the fire that keeps the Empire rolling so he is in jail I don't know how long he was in Potiphar's service. But the length of this story, we do know, spans from when he's 17 to 30. The end of this story that we're going to look at, which is Genesis chapters 39 through 41. As always, go read it for yourself. He goes from 17 to 30. So there are 13 years where he is in slavery at Potiphar's house. And then this happens with his Potiphar's wife. He ends up in Egyptian jail and somehow some math happens where he spends 13 years in between those two positions he goes from really bad sold into slavery to really quite good as as uh, Potiphar's servant but you know whenever life goes good for too long something always has to happen sure enough it does he ends up in jail while he's in jail Prisoners have responsibilities, job duties. Hey, go shovel the shit piles, move the manure from one side of the prison to the other, and then back again. Hey, move these rocks over there. Uh, Go build a sphinx. I don't know. But whatever his job responsibilities are, Joseph seems to be really, really good at them. And not just like he does the job well. But he's an honorable worker. He's working hard, even for the taskmaster, the prison guards. They end up noticing, you know, well, we don't really know why he's here. I, I mean, they know why. They they could look at his sheet, his rap sheet, and see, oh, he, you know, tried to have his way with Potiphar's wife. Um, But that doesn't really compute because this guy is a hard worker. He he does what we ask him to. He's honorable. He... he he brings a work ethic unlike anything else we've seen in Egypt especially among the prisoners so joseph moves up in the ranks in prison becomes one of the most uh trusted people in the prison not just of among the prisoners but the 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 prison guard the guy who's in charge puts joseph in charge of everything that goes on in the prison again scheduling doctors appointments you know uh organizing the work schedule for all the other prisoners and joseph is demonstrating behavior unlike any other around and he's in charge so he is you know bringing the prisoners their food or their daily rations i don't know introducing them here's this is going to be your cell Okay, let me, let me introduce you to Bill. Hey, Bill. And over there is a crazy lady. Well, one day, two two people enter into the prison. Two people who were in Pharaoh's presence. Two people very important into the everyday ongo- goings-on of Pharaoh's palace. One of them is the chief baker. He is responsible. He's like uh, Dave Ramsey. Not Dave Ramsey. Dave... Gordon Ramsay? Who's the cook? Who's the guy who has a cooking show? That guy. And he's in charge of all the minor chefs, and he tells all the other chefs what to do, and he plans the meals and schedules, when breakfasts and brunch and and all this stuff. But he ends up in jail. At the same time, he is being escorted into jail. So, too, comes with him another person important in Pharaoh's house, the Royal Cup bearer this is the guy who brings pharaoh his cup his goblet of wine in his when he's at the throne room he he pours he refills his cup during meal times and he brings him his royal uh <clears throat> pint glass while he's making rulings and judgments but the bible tells us that both the chief baker and the cup bearer the royal cup bearer pissed The Pharaoh off and so he was none too happy with something that they did so we're going to imagine um that he had a really bad meal it tasted off and he couldn't tell is it the wine or is it the food screw it send them both to jail he was having a rough day that day and and the you know lunch the afternoon lunch just tipped him over the breaking point so they end up in jail Joseph escorts them here's your cell and he comes back a couple days later, bringing them their food, and they look very sad. <laughs> and Joseph says, why do you guys look so sad? Well, first of all, I'm in prison, right? But beyond that, I had a dream. So they both had dreams the night before, the chief baker and the royal cup bearer. The royal cup bearer is a little more Um, willing to share with Joseph this dream that he had. And so he says, well, first, I'm in prison. Second, I had this really weird dream that I mean, the dream itself doesn't seem terrible, but just I'm unsettled about it. There's something about it that seems very heavy and weighty to me. And we've we've seen those heavy weighty dreams before, right? When Jacob Jacob's ladder and then when Jacob is called back to go to his father's house and there's lots of dreams, Abraham had them visions, right? There's something really significant about this dream. And Joseph says, "Okay, um, why don't you tell me your dream? And maybe the God of my father, the God that my family believes in, follows worships. Maybe he'll give me an interpretation to your dream and I can help you understand what it meant. So the royal cupbearer says, I dreamt that I was at this massive Vine grapevine in a vineyard and just this this vine it was overshadowing all the other vines and on it shot out three different distinct grapevine branches and on it grew these like really plump luscious grapes that were just bursting with juice and I was ready to make some delicious wine out of them. So what I did is I plucked the bundles off of the grapevine branches and I squeezed the grapes into Pharaoh's cup. And he drank it. And Joseph's like, oh, yeah, I could see how that would be like a weird. What does that mean, dream? Because that's your job. That was your job, right? So what does it mean? And Joseph says, give me a second to process this. Okay. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Your dream means that in three days. Pharaoh is going to actually bring you up out of the prison and restore you back to your position as royal cupbearer. And you're going to put his goblet back in his hand. You will be restored to your position and all will be forgiven. He, he, he got over his little grumpy, you know, spat that he had, his temper tantrum. You will be restored. Well, the chief baker overhears this and he says, oh, I had a dream too, Joseph. Prison guard, master guy. Can you give me an interpretation? Now, the Chief Baker, he's really disturbed, really unsettled, but because the cupbearer had a good interpretation of his dream, the Chief Baker thinks maybe I'll also get a good interpretation, and maybe I won't need to worry as much as I am. So he tells Joseph, Here's my dream. I dreamt that on my head, I was carrying three very large baskets full of baked goods, and they were so delicious, so good, and I was going back up into Pharaoh's palace, but birds kept eating the bread out of the baskets sitting on my head. What does that mean? And Joseph says, "Mm mm-hmm, okay, mm mm-hmm, yes, I see. Okay, your dream means that in three days, just like the cupbearer, Pharaoh's going to bring you up out of prison, but he's going to kill you. He's going to remove your head, and birds will eat your flesh. Uh, what? Yeah. Sure enough, three days go by. Both the chief baker and the royal cupbearer are escorted out of the prison. Joseph doesn't know what happens. He's going to have to hear through the grapevine. Huh? later uh, to find out what happens to these guys. But sure enough, it happens just as Joseph said. Pharaoh says to the cupbearer, sorry, I lost my cool. Um, I'd like you to come back. You're going to be the royal cupbearer again. Uh, Continue to bring me my beverages of choice. But you, Chief Baker, I found out you tried to poison the cake. I don't know actually what happened, but Something happened enough that Pharaoh decided royal cupbearer can be restored to his place, but the chief baker deserves to die. So Pharaoh has chief baker put to death, head cut off, and the birds ate his flesh. As the cupbearer and the chief baker are being escorted out of the prison, Joseph is telling the guys, hey, Cupbearer, when you get up there, mention my name to Pharaoh. Let him know that I'm down here. Let him know that I'm a good hard worker. I don't belong here. You know, he's like shouting like as he's being taken away. Don't forget me. Sure enough, chief cup baker, chief cup baker, royal cup bearer forgets about Joseph. A few years go by, Joseph is still down in the prison, working his ass off to try and... I don't don't know that he thinks he's getting out on good behavior. But he has found whatever situation he's in, he's resolved. I'm going to work. I'm going to put my all into this. I'm here. I might as well enjoy it. I guess. I don't know what he's thinking. That's the best I can come up with. Make the best out of a shitty situation. A few years go by... And Pharaoh ends up having a dream that is weighty and bothers him and he can't shake it. And so what he does is he calls all the sorcerers and the wise men throughout all the land of Egypt. I want you to picture this if you if you can't already see it in your head, because sometimes it's easy for for me to like read the Bible and kind of forget. I kind of put it maybe in like my Americanized view of things happening. But this is ancient Egypt. Right, there's these grand open palaces the the Pharaohs wearing makeup half naked, whatever they're you know, and he is saying, Hey, come, all you sorcerers, these these people who have devised these magic tricks that can make them look like they have divine powers, or these people who are very wise, philosophical types uh or 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 you know people who have have claimed to have divine access to the gods the wisdom of the gods and he's bringing all these people and there's this grand meeting he shares with all of them the dream here is my dream and there's this murmuring this quiet murmuring what does it mean what is he i don't understand how does he have what does he want us to do is are we supposed to tell him how to and 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 he is desperate for the meaning of this dream The royal cupbearer walks in because uh, Pharaoh says, Garcon, I want some sweet tea. Here comes the royal cupbearer with his uh, mug of sweet tea. And the cupbearer asks the other guard, what's going on? What's going on? And he says, well, Pharaoh had a dream and none of these assholes can interpret it. Nobody knows what's going on. And Joseph says, oh, or not Joseph, sorry. The cupbearer says, oh, Oh my, I forgot. Um, and he kind of like um shyly raises his hand <laughs> like Pharaoh over here and Pharaoh's like, what? What do you want, cup bearer? He doesn't even have a name. And he says, uh, I kind of screwed up. Remember when you were really pissed off and sent the chief baker and I to prison? When we Yes, what what about it? Well, when we were in prison, we both had dreams, and there's a guy in the prison who interpreted our dreams, and the interpretations were correct. He interpreted the baker's dream that he was going to die. He did die. He interpreted my dream that I was going to be restored. I was restored, and I totally forgot to like mention him to you. Sorry, and Pharaoh's like, "Oh, who is he? Is he still around? Is he still alive? Let's get him out here." So he sends guards to go to the prison. They get Joseph. They, you know, shave off his scruffy beard. They give him a cool haircut. They put him in some Gucci uh, you know, style. He comes in real fly, pretty fly for a white guy. And he walks into Pharaoh's presence and he says, "I heard that you can interpret dreams." And Joseph is like, "Well, your majesty or your Pharaohness, um, I respect you. I just want to clarify, I can't. God can. Yahweh God can. The God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, my family's God, he can interpret dreams. And our family worships that God. So if he has given you a dream yes, I think I can help you understand what it means because he'll give me the interpretation. And Pharaoh says, okay, well, let's try and do this. So Pharaoh tells Joseph his dream. This is his dream. He says, I was standing on the edge of the Nile, which is like the big river in Egypt. I was standing at the edge of the Nile and out of the Nile came what came these cows like they were bathing right it's not like they just magic i don't know the these cows walked up out of the water after having a bath and they were big plump oh they were meaty they were strong they, they their coat was healthy and shiny they looked happy and these seven beautiful cows came up out of the nile and then the sky changed and it got dark and it got scary and then seven ugly gnarly skeleton cows come up out of the Nile and they like like something out of a horror movie just like open their mouth wide and just swallow chomp down in one gulp these each each of the seven gnarly cows chomp one of the healthy cows and they they're gone they're dead but even though they had just eaten this really ripe juicy cow you couldn't tell because they were still gaunt and and bony and hideous looking and then i woke up terrified not knowing what it meant you know i'll never get back to sleep now cartoon sleeping and then he goes back into a dream i had a second dream and these this stalk of corn shot up oh it was deep green and it was ri- uh, rich it was very uh 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 why can't I think of what I'm trying to say? Anyway, it looked delicious and it grew on on the stock. Seven healthy, really full plump ears of corn. So if you don't know what an ear of corn is, it's like corn on the cob, but while it's still, you know, wrapped in its leaves and everything like that. If you don't know what corn looks like, uh, here, I'll, I'll put a little picture here if you're watching on YouTube. Bing! That's what a stock of corn looks like. And... He says, the seven plump ears of corn were ripe for the taking and they looked delicious. I wanted to eat them, but before I could grab one to eat it, these like ugly gnarly looking ears of corn that didn't have any kernels that the leaves were withered and the silt on it was was all gross and it was everywhere and those seven sprouted up and ate the plump ears of corn but you couldn't tell because they were still nasty ugly gnarly and i don't know what this dream means joseph says Mm-hmm. okay i see all right here's what your dream means Yahweh, the God of my family, has chosen to reveal to you what he is going to do because he is sovereign over all the earth, even Egypt, where you worship these other gods. Yahweh is still sovereign. And he says what he's going to do is he is going to give you seven years of abundance in harvest, in crops, in flocks in, in uh, clothing, in all the resources that can be produced but in the land of Egypt, God is going to give you seven years of abundance. And this isn't like he's going to give you seven years that you've been used to producing the amount of crops and harvest. He's going to give you an overflow more than you can possibly understand or appreciate. It's going to happen for seven years straight. But then what you need to understand is the second part of your dream is There are going to be seven years of the worst famine. No rain, no nutrients, no resources. Your your animals aren't going to produce wool as well or milk as well. It's going to be so bad. The world, the entire world has never seen a famine like this before. And it's going to last for seven years. And Pharaoh's like, oh... I knew there was something weighty about this dream. I didn't know what to do with it, but wow. And Joseph says, and this just isn't like a, maybe this is going to happen because you had two dreams that said seven good, seven bad. It's a doubling. And that means God is for sure going to do it. So what I recommend is that you place someone in charge of the harvest, the crops, everything, all the resources that Egypt can collect and and save pick someone really really wise someone who's really really trustworthy Put them in charge so that they can save up enough grain and resources that will get not just Egypt through the seven bad years, but the rest of the world is going to be knocking at your door because everyone's going to suffer from this. And as soon as they hear that Egypt has grain, they're coming here. So what we need to do is we need to be prepared to not just take care of Egypt, but everyone. So pick wisely. Joseph has gone from bad to pretty dang good back to really bad. And in this moment, when he's 30 years old, it's been 13 years in slavery and in the dungeon. And Pharaoh says, you're my guy. You, Joseph, are going to be the one who's in charge of everything in the land. You will only be second to Pharaoh himself myself this is pharaoh dic- you know giving the dictation you will only be second to me otherwise you're in charge of everything this seems like an incredibly fantastic leap but I, I can't help but wonder if it's because there is something about the work ethic and the attitude of regardless of what condition I find myself in, regardless of the things that entice me, that look good, that I might want to participate in, there is a greater value. Okay, and now I'm talking to myself. There is a greater value in understanding the good that God has for him, and he wants to press into that, and he's gonna press into it regardless of what circumstance he finds himself in. And that is Genesis 39 through 41. We're gonna try and be clumping up the last segments of Genesis uh, to get to as we wrap up the story, because these chapters actually go into great detail about small events, and we typically kind of do a bigger overview. So we'll do a few more episodes as we wrap up season one. I'm really excited to share with you what we got brewing in for season two. We're going to change things up. So be on the lookout for that. And I'll catch you guys in the next one. I love you guys yeah you ever anybody else just go like back and forth in life it's good and it's bad and it's good and surely there's something bad waiting around the corner and we actually just might discover that there are some more obstacles joseph is going to have to walk through even while he's in this really amazing role as second in command over egypt check us out on youtube dumb christian podcast we have some exclusive content up there hit that bell so that you know when new content is dropping i love you guys i'll catch you later